Well, good morning. What movie was that? The Incredibles. Yeah, everyone's seen that for the most part? Yeah, it's a great, great, fun movie. And so what you saw here was, where's my super suit? Right? Have you noticed um, lately you can't go to a movie theater without seeing what kind of movie? A superhero movie, right? And each one has its own unique costume that communicates something about who that person is. Right? We've seen that, right? You see, when you see a big S, what do you see? Superman, right? Can do no wrong. The guy's like indestructible, all that kind of stuff, right? It communicates something to you. And so we have that in everyday life too, right? We get dressed, we choose what we wear, and what we wear oftentimes communicates something about us, doesn't it? Right? We try to make a statement about something maybe going on in our hearts um, with what we wear, with what we put on. And it could be just the face we put on. Um, in ministry, you have to be on a lot, and sometimes you're too tired, so sometimes you just do this, right? And that's your super suit. You're just, hey, hey, it's not because we're, we're trying to be ingenuine. It's tiring, isn't it? Have you tried to be on all the time? It's, it's tough. It's tough. So we put on these suits or these armors or these things that communicate something about what we're going through. Um, I've been victim to that of every different kind of fashion thing you can imagine, trend or whatever, because I wanted to so badly fit in so I would communicate through whatever they were wearing, I would wear so that there would be an acceptance. Who's done that before? Unfortunately, it started with me with Zuba pants. Do you remember those? Those are those ones that are real baggy and they've got all the like different colored tiger stripes and all that. And for me, I tell you, it took a far worse direction and they had all these patterns, and then they Velcroed. It was horrible. And I would wear these things, and they were really bagging and really tight around the ankle. So it looked really goofy. And you get a good gust of wind, and you're off for the races. And the Velcro was real loud. I remember in class, you know, the, the pants are too baggy, and, you know, you got to, and everyone's looking at you. And then, you know, if they didn't already notice your horrible looking pants, they did now. They heard them. And I remember going through all these different phases of different things to communicate something or to feel equipped to be a part of something. For me, it was always to be equipped to find um, acceptance. So I'm going to wear this, I'm going to do this, and hopefully there will be a response that says, hey, come in, right? You're equipped for what we do here because you got the right look, you got the right this, you got right that. Well, this, there was no different. It was no different. Back in Paul's day, no different. What she wore communicated something. And when, when, when we hear this, put on the full armor of God, he uses, Paul uses very creative language, metaphoric language, but language that the people would understand to communicate the principles of Jesus that we have to step into every single day. Does that make sense? Every single day. And so Paul, he takes the Roman soldier and we hear this language. Now, many of us have heard this passage before, and you'll hear a lot, of, a lot of scholars, theologians talk about what each piece means and why the belt of truth is the belt, why, why the gospel is the sandals and salvation is the helmet. But I want to spend less time on the why that's where it is and more on answering the question, what do we have to do to be equipped as Christians? 
Because this is an equipping passage. Because all of these things that Paul is mentioning are the characters of who Jesus is. Of who he is. And so he uses this language of of the Roman armor. And so you hear about the shield. And these Roman shields were huge. They were huge. From neck to ankle. And they were made with this this leather that they they would put water on. So when fiery arrows came, it wouldn't light them on fire. So we hear that language in Scripture here. And then, and then their helmet, right? They stood out. And the fancier the helmet, the higher the rank. So you could point these guys out. And then their, their breastplate and their belts, their fancy belts and their swords and all of this. It was, it was very vivid to these people what Paul was talking about. Because they all these things, these pieces, communicated something to them. And it communicated preparation, and don't mess with these guys, because they're equipped, right? They have all the right gear, and they know how to use that gear. Now, that's what I want to talk about today. We, we understand, we see here, okay, the gospel of readiness on my feet. I've got to be ready to give an account of the gospel to whoever comes my way. I have to be ready With the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, I need to know that thing. Salvation, I have to still work that out in my own heart, my own mind, and claim what Jesus has done for me. Truth, standing on the truth of who He is. Abiding in Jesus in such a way that His righteousness comes out of me. That's how we're supposed to look. That's what it's supposed to be communicated. That's what we're supposed to be equipped in. But if we we don't learn how to use those things to step into who Jesus is then what's the point of all that armor? In the account of David and Goliath, Saul wanted to put all this armor on David. Right? Do you remember this? I I remember when I was a kid, they had these Sunday school cartoons, like McGee and Me. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that. And they had these Bible adventures where they'd go back in time, this group of people. And you would see this... Uh, this cartoon representation of little David just covered in all this armor, and it wasn't the right stuff. Because his was the word of God, it was faith, it was the things that we were talking about, and he slayed someone that was so terrifying, that was so equipped for physical battle, but he couldn't handle what kind of equipment David was throwing at him. And that's what Paul's talking about here, that we need and must learn to be equipped in. Has anyone ever seen the movie 300? Okay, it's, it's a romanticized account of the Battle of Thermopylae. And does anyone, has anyone heard of the Battle of Thermopylae? Okay, the Persian armies are going to invade Greece. And so you have this passageway that, that is the clear-cut way to go, the fastest way to get to the Greeks. And so their king at the time of Sparta, Leonidas, he comes and he, he needs to stall this army. He needs to hold them off because the rest of his army was celebrating this festival. Now, this is the historic account, not the movie, even though the movie facts are kind of similar. And so he takes 300 of his best guys that all have sons so that their name can continue on knowing that they're probably going to die, but they hold off this pass at its most narrow point. It's only 50 feet wide. So you imagine that. And you got 300 guys that are going to go up against hundreds and thousands of soldiers well-trained. But here's the difference. These guys not only have their armor, and you see this in the movie, which is kind of cool, 
But they don't wear breastplates, they just wear muscles, if you've seen the movie. It's very intimidating. And you leave going, man, I need to work out. But you see them there, and they're intimidating. And what's even more so is that they know how to use everything they're doing, but they do it together. That's another key thing. They're a unit. Does it sound familiar? When you bring Christians together, we are the what? The church. We're the body, right? And so you see this, and these guys, now for three days, they hold off hundreds of thousands of, of Persian, Persia's best. Okay? You cannot do that without knowing what you're doing and being strategic. And one of the things is that some people were, were born and taught to be potters and blacksmiths and all this, but these guys were bred to be soldiers. This is what they lived and breathed. And so when the challenges came, they were equipped and ready to go, and the man on their left and right was just as valuable, if not more, than themselves. And they had these big shields, and one of the things, one of the principles here is that the shield always moved to the left, covering the man to the left. So you were covered by the guy to your right. And so they protected each other with these shields, and then the enemy would come at them and they would stand their ground. And that's the word that we're going to hear over and over, is stand, stand, stand. Paul is saying stand. Now if we look at the beginning here, uh, in verse 10, he says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Because... Our, our battle is not against the flesh and blood, right? The things that we cannot see. Some of our biggest issues are not physical issues, right? Bad relationships, fear, shame, insecurities, all those things are things we battle every day. And without Jesus, we lose. And that's what Paul is saying. That's where we see the word in, in verse 13, Therefore, Put on the full armor of God. The therefore says, because you cannot do it without Jesus. I mean, how is it easy to repair relationships without Jesus? No. Can you get over addiction without Jesus? No. It is very, very difficult because the enemy is stronger than we are without Jesus. But with him, we have victory. Period. But we have to put on the full armor. And I didn't say partial. You know, as Christians, we think, well, I don't get in the Word very much, but I worship, I worship my brains out. I pray up a storm, but I don't pick up the Word. <sighs> I don't know if you heard in this, but the Word is the sword, which is the only offensive weapon that's mentioned here. You have to know the Word of God. If you don't, you're in trouble. If you don't have faith and you have all the book knowledge in the world on Scripture and and, and, uh, and you stand on that truth of what you read, but you don't have faith. You don't go out and do what God is calling you to do because you're too frightened. You're not complete. You're not doing what you're called to do. So here Paul gives us a complete example of answering the question of what does it mean to be equipped. You need truth. You need your salvation. You need the word of God. You need righteousness. You need to be ready to answer um, with the gospel at all times. And faith, without faith, what's the point? What's the point? So Paul lays this out because, in, and I love how he saves this, saves this for the very end of this book. Because the first three chapters, Paul says, this is who you are. You are chosen. God sees you. He loves you. You're forgiven. 
He wants, to, he wants you to know him the way he knows you. And this is how you live him out. And then we have this chapter, which is so, as Mark says, it's a daunting chapter. Because you can spend forever on just faith, the shield of faith. What does that mean? What does that mean? This is, this is it's a daunting thing. But verse 10 starts with finally. Like this is, all of this stuff that I just told you, if you don't put on the full armor of God, you're not going to make it. You're not going to be able to live out these things, live out your destiny, meaning a child of God, what he has called you to. You won't be able to do that without fully immersing yourself in who Jesus is. Because that's really what it is. When we take away the metaphoric language, it's, it's abiding in Jesus in such a way, engaging him in such a way that his character is pouring in and out of you and transforming not only your life, but the person to your left and to your right. Does that make sense? And so, as we continue on, we have the bread and butter here. Is prayer. I'm going to get to this in a second. When we go back to the Battle of Thermopylae, one of the big things, as I said, was that shield, that shield, and we can call it a shield of faith or whatever you want, but it would protect the person to the left or right. When you read this scripture, it's a lot of you, 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 and it sounds like it's individualized, and part of it is, yes. You have to do your responsibilities as an individual, okay, to get ready for what's coming our way, but we're not doing it alone, right? Because we are the body of Christ. And so what was so neat about this, this, this group of Spartans is that they relied heavily on the person to their right because that person was standing with them. And Paul says this in verse 18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. What word do you hear over and over in some variation in that, in that passage? In that verse, what? All. Now here's, here's a little Bible 101. When a word is repeated several times, pay attention to it. Pay attention to it when you're reading scripture because the writer is trying to say something to you. Pray on all occasions for all people, for all reasons. Done. That doesn't leave anything out. All is all. Right? It's funny how we use that word to describe like two or three people. Everyone believes this, and it's just two or three people. Right? Or a few people, and you're talking about 65 people. I'm going to have a few people over to the house, Mom. And it's like, what, 40? Right? Right? And then it's just like, you know, this person doesn't, all these people don't like what you're doing. Well, how many of them? Well, my buddy. <laughs> See where we got these words skewed up? All means all. Pray for all the saints, everyone. Prayer is the absolute essential key resource to any of this. Because when you accept Christ, when you choose to follow Christ, what do you do first? You pray, right? You ask him. Right? And that engages, it manifests faith. When you pray, okay, it, it fleshes out what faith is. It's faith in action because when you pray and you're asking something, you're praying for someone, you're saying, I don't have control, I'm giving it to him, which means that's faith. That's trust. Now, let's, let's look at what prayer is here because 
prayer isn't just a Santa Claus list. Right? I want this, I want this from God. I want this for Christmas. It's not that. It's dialogue with the living Lord. It's communic- it's our lifeline to Jesus. It's how we get to know him better. And intercession is a type of prayer where we stand in the gap for the person to our left and to our right. We pray on behalf of them, right? Have you heard that word, intercession? We pray for one another. That's what God calls us to here, is to pray on all occasions for all people, for all things. And to me, that, that, that shield to the left being a protection of faith, that's us standing with each other. Now, Scripture doesn't say, you know, the Spartan shield is this. But you can, you can see how Paul mentions prayer and intercession and standing with each other in prayer, where you can see that we are supposed to stand with each other in prayer, dialoguing with the living Lord, saying, well, God, what are you saying to me? That, that's true prayer. One of my biggest pet peeves, and I'm, I'm going I'm to be really honest here, is when churches just, just kind of take, church families just take a little bit of time to prayer and, and intercession. Well, we have kind of like this prayer ministry kind of over here. Prayer has to be at the center of everything because that's where relationship with Jesus starts. If it's just part of it, then you are not fully stepping into the armor of God. You are not putting it all on because that's what makes it go, baby. That's what makes it move. That's what gets you equipped. Because if you put all of this on, you're like, I don't know how to use this. Well, who are you going to ask? Him. And asking him is prayer. If prayer is absent from your life, this is going to be a really hard passage for you to live out. Because prayer has to be in everything we do. And I'm not talking about just getting on your knees and doing this and rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. Sometimes that's part of it. I've tried and struggled to pray every day in a way that doesn't matter what I'm doing. That I'll ask God, what are you doing here? Because I'm a little annoyed with you. Now, you're annoyed with God? Well, sometimes, but I'm honest about it with him. And I want him to lead me through it. It's relationship. Is relationship clean? Oh, it's messy, and it's messy with God, too, sometimes, on our end. But prayer is a way of engaging him, and so we have to learn to pray all the time. And that seems exhausting. Sometimes it is, especially when he's answering and he's calling you to do something outside of your comfort zone. Then it gets real exhausting, right? We don't like being poked and prodded at. But if we want to be the people he's called us to be, we need to step up to the plate. We really do. Um, and I've said this phrase over and over, and I'm going to keep saying it, is that we cannot, we absolutely cannot, cannot be the people we've called to be if we keep Jesus in these walls. If we do that, if we put our armor on in here and not out there, what's going to change? Because I know I don't want to keep doing it. If all we're doing is just circling the wagons, if all we're doing... It's just saying one thing and then doing another. I don't want to be that person. I don't think you do either. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. It's really hard. But that's why we have the person to our left and to our right. To encourage us, to walk with us, to go through it. You know, our staff here, I cannot do the things that I can do without them. Because they're my people to the left and to the right. That encourage me. They give me a hard word when I need a hard word. And give me an encouraging word when I need an encouraging word. And it helps me be equipped and to train myself. So here's what I want to leave you with. This word practice. 
Practice, 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 practice. I want you to get that in your brains because none of this happens unless you choose intentionally to practice because Paul doesn't say, hey, we'll put on the armor for you and then you go do your thing. He says, you put it on. God has given it to you. He's given you access to his heart, but now you have to step in. Now, this isn't I'm earning. It's not works. It's not faith by works. It's saying out of faith, good things will be done in my life, meaning I will do good things out of the grace that God has given me, but I have to choose to receive that and to exercise it. So I have to step in to the word of God. I have to struggle learning to read it. I grew up in a pastor's home, and I'm telling you, I didn't know how to read the Bible. I had to practice learning it, and I still am. It'll never end. But we, pastors and and teachers and whatever, they can't do it for us. We have to choose intentionally to practice. Hebrews 5.14 says, Solid food is for the mature who by practice train themselves. Train who? Themselves to distinguish between where God is and where he's not. If we don't practice putting on the armor of God and exercising those things, we will not be able to stand firm. My daughter's here somewhere, and I don't know if she left, but she's just learning to crawl. And now she, you know, one day it was just this little, you know, stumbling kind of thing. She face-planted a few times. I chuckled. It's probably mean. But then the next thing I know, the joke's on me, and I look down one second, turn around, she's booked it out of the room because she kept practicing. And soon she's going to be able to walk. Soon she's going to be able to run. And soon she's going to be able to ignore me and tell me, get out of here. And, you know, this and that. She's practicing, right? We all have done that. But you have to choose to do that. You have to choose to do it. My biggest thing, my biggest question I ask myself every day is in this moment, Jesus, do I love you as as much as you love me? Because I want to get to that point where I love him with all of my heart. What is getting in the way of me not loving him the way he loves me? I'll probably never get there, but I'm going to work every day to love him the way he loves me. Because if I don't choose to love him, then this doesn't matter to anyone here or myself. This is a response to our love relationship with God so that we can be equipped to to live out the gospel in spirit and truth. To me, that's the simplistic nature of the armor of God, is to fully step into him and practice, practice, and practice so that we communicate fear to the enemy. Because I'll tell you, those Persians, when they saw these guys, even though their numbers were few, they knew that they were warriors, and they knew what they were doing. That's why they took down 300 of them, took up thousands of them. Man, I want the enemy to look at me and shudder because Jesus has all of me, not just part of me, and knows I can do damage with the word of God and my my shield of faith and all my other pieces. Can you imagine if we were to do that as a body of Christ? I always say this, I, I believe, I believe, and I would not say this. I'm a straight shooter, so I would not say this unless I believe it, that God is calling us and will use us if we answer to change this community, but in a way in which your definition for change is inadequate. Because what he'll do, you can't put into words. What he wants to establish in this community, you can't imagine. You cannot fathom. And I love that. Because that says our God is bigger than us. So we must practice, 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 and continue to engage him. There'll be moments we fall, but we have a forgiving and loving God that wants to continue to move us into his heart 
and deeper and deeper places so that we can look more like him. Amen? Let's pray. Well, Lord, we thank you that you are patient with us. But Lord, you give us every single thing we need for life and godliness. Every single thing. It's right there. It's right there in front of us. So Lord, may we claim the strength, your mighty powers, claim the strength, your strength in our lives so that we can stand the test, so that we can continue to go towards the goal, to race after it, to go after you, to abide in you in such a way that you pour out of us, that we become equipped in who you are. Lord, it's hard because there are a lot of people that claim to be Christians, but they don't know you. They just know about you. We want to know you, so we have to practice. So, Lord, I ask that you just continue, continue to be patient with us as we continue to strive to know you better. So protect us in the name of Jesus as we continue to live this life for your glory, for your will, and not for our own, so that you may be magnified and glorified. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.